Support for IPR comes from Corridor Vein Center and Corridor Aesthetics, treatment for varicose veins and spider veins, also providing facial rejuvenation services and treatment for moderate to severe acne. More at Corridor Vein and Corridor Aesthetics.com. Today is Monday. It's the 18th of September. This is Here First from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. The Iowa Democratic Party will hold its in-person caucuses on the same date in January as Iowa Republicans next year. Democrats will conduct party business and determine unbound delegates to the county convention on the date, but there's still a question on how the presidential preference portion of the caucuses will work. Iowa Democrats held a state central committee meeting on Saturday where they voted on the date after a closed session. IDP Chair Rita Hart read the vote tally, solidifying Martin Luther King Jr. Day as the caucus date. 43 to 1. So motion passes. We will be having our caucus on January 15th. Thank you for your cooperation on that. Iowa Democrats plan to have a completely mail-in presidential preference system in 2024. The Democratic National Committee removed Iowa from the early window of nominating states last year. The DNC ruled Iowa's plan out of compliance earlier this year. And the Iowa Democratic Party has until October 16th to bring the DNC additional updates on their caucus plan. And in campaigning for the Republican presidential nomination ahead of the caucuses, Florida Governor and Republican presidential candidate Ron DeSantis says he supports Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville's hold on military promotions. Tuberville has held up more than 300 promotions in protest against a Pentagon policy that reimburses expenses for service members traveling to states where abortion is legal to receive the procedure. DeSantis made the comment at a large gathering of evangelical Christians in Des Moines on Saturday. What the Defense Department is doing is outside the law. They are breaking, violating the law by, by funding abortion tourism with tax dollars. DeSantis signed a bill in Florida similar to one signed by Governor Kim Reynolds in Iowa that bans the procedure at six weeks. Former President Donald Trump has criticized DeSantis for signing the law recently on NBC's Meet the Press. Trump has not given a straight answer on whether he supports a federal ban. Trump was invited to the Iowa Faith and Freedom Coalition's town hall Saturday, but did not attend. The former president will campaign in Dubuque and Maquoketa later this week. The Johnson County area is exploring a dedicated rapid bus line to transport residents across its growing municipalities. IPR Zachary Oren-Smith reports a new study will determine if the demand is there. This week, Johnson County local governments are hiring a firm to look at adapting a section of existing railroad into a dedicated rapid bus line. The line would run between Iowa City and North Liberty. Laura Burgess is an Iowa City City Council member. We know that people live and work and go to school in, you know, all throughout the corridor. And uh, we've invested hundreds of millions of dollars into expanding the interstate road system. But there is certainly a limit as to, you know, an individual uh, car and how that accumulates as our population keeps growing. In the end, the $250,000 rapid bus study will be compared to an existing light rail study to determine which model will better serve the second fastest growing region in the state. A judge found an Iowa man guilty in the murder of a 10-year-old girl who was missing for eight months before her remains were found in a pond. Henry Earl Dinkins was found guilty on Friday of first-degree murder and kidnapping in the death of Briasia Terrell. 
Her disappearance in July of 2020 led to huge searches by dozens of volunteers and numerous law enforcement agencies. And a long stretch of hot, dry weather has left the Mississippi River so low that barge companies are reducing their loads as shipping costs soar. That comes as Midwest farmers are preparing to harvest crops and send tons of corn and soybean downriver to New Orleans. The transport restrictions are a headache for barge companies, but even more worrisome for thousands of farmers who have watched drought scorch their fields for much of the summer. Now they will face higher prices to transport what remains of their crops. About 60 percent of U.S. grain exports are taken by barge down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. This is Here First from IPR News. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. More and more schools are offering students fresh, locally grown food in their cafeterias. It's the big idea behind the farm-to-school movement, and there's a lot of federal investment behind it. As Harvest Public Media contributor Ray Solomon reports, those dollars aim to reshape school lunch menus and strengthen local farm economies. Derek Hoffman is poking around a dense row of bushy tomato plants on his 100-acre farm on the outskirts of Greeley in northern Colorado. He's filling a white plastic bucket with ripe cherry tomatoes that he's already sold to the local school district. These will go to Greeley Evans School District here just down the road. <laughs> five, what about five, or five miles from their, uh, their warehouse? In about a week, kids will be snacking on them in nearby school cafeterias. Hoffman's tomatoes are part of a growing farm-to-school movement revolutionizing the humble school lunch. When farm-to-school programming works as designed, kids fill their plates with fresh, nutritious food, and local farm economies get a major boost. Hoffman's farm-to-school contracts brought enough financial stability that he was able to quit his off-the-farm job. It's allowed us to, to grow. It's allowed us to do what we're doing. It seems like such a simple idea that benefits everyone involved. But while Hoffman and the schools he works with represent the best outcome of farm-to-school programs, they are hardly the norm. Getting local food into schools has proven frustratingly complicated. We often hear that schools and producers initially don't talk the same language. Cindy Long administers the farm-to-school program at the United States Department of Agriculture. Schools think about, oh, I need, you know, 7,500 servings of this, and farmers think in terms of, you know, bushels or crates. Long's agency has been funding farm-to-school efforts at the federal level for more than a decade. She says the challenges have included the cost of local food, training cafeteria staff, and an admittedly bureaucratic purchasing system. To get past those challenges, it takes solutions that are flexible, specific, and above all, local. Schools and producers really just needed an ongoing source of support to help take folks from interest to actually being able to execute. Recent policy changes at the federal level make providing that support a new priority. Last year, the USDA started funneling unprecedented amounts of money to states specifically to get more local food into schools. At least $260 million directly fund local food purchases and related farm-to-school infrastructure. We have been describing it as trying to drink out of a fire hose because there's just so much money coming down from the USDA. 
Sunny Baker with the National Farm to School Network says all the money coming from the USDA is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to give school lunch a head-to-toe makeover and integrate it into local food systems. One of the best things that can come out of this like massive influx of money is going to be that we're developing really incredible examples of how this can work and like learning what's possible. In northern Iowa, for instance, those investments trickled down to the Clear Lake School District in the form of $8,000 grants to buy farm-fresh food through a new network of regional food hubs that made local purchasing a breeze for food services director Julie Udelhofen. As I saw that product come in, the freshness, the, the color, the flavor, it just made it all worth it. Udelhofen was always interested in farm-to-school programs, but without support, the process was just too burdensome. Now that she's got a taste of it, she does not want to go back to business as usual. As long as my budget looks good and I can support it, um, I'm going to get that food in front of the kids. There's just one catch. That fire hose of extra funding is not permanent. It runs out at the end of this school year. Udelhofen is hoping her local food service can outlive the money. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Ray Solomon. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including IPR News, covering agriculture, food systems, and rural issues. This is here first from IPR News. I'm Clay Masters. You can find this podcast wherever you subscribe to them.